0: Good morning, morning. super grateful that you're here today and I'm super grateful that you have chose to worship Christ with us today. It's an honor and a privilege to have you here today and I wanna say something. First of all, this is, I I know this is gonna sound weird because I I wear t-shirts a lot, but this is the first time I've ever worn a Journey t-shirt up on stage and there's a reason why. Uh, Number one, I never wear a journey shirt because we never try and promote our church. We always try and promote Jesus Christ. And so it's not about us building a church and a kingdom. It doesn't matter how many people come to our church because our lead pastor, Jesus Christ, only cares about the number one church. And that's what we're excited about. But I am wearing the shirt for a reason. I am so blessed by how we, we uh, went out last Sunday and second service and served our community at the park, the country fair. <laughs> we'll talk about Michelle Heaton when she comes back. She's on vacation who led that. But it was incredible. Second service, I know a few of you showed up last week and uh, we were doing church in the park in the sense that we are on a mission from God like the Blues Brothers to love the world one person at a time. We are on a mission, and what we did was we canceled second service last week, and we went out into the park, bought a bunch of Jolly Jumps, gave away a bunch of burgers and hot dogs, and just loved our community. And it was super fun. I hope you guys had a blast. But more importantly, if you're new, and maybe that's why you're here today, or if you're watching online, checking us out, I want you to know I feel blessed. My heart is full. Because... You know, what's our birthday party. We did it for our birthday party. We're 13 years old and we are trying to change the concept of our birthday party. For the last 12 years, we would have like tri-tip and chicken and taco and you know, do all this stuff to feed ourselves, which I like food. You don't get to look like this without not liking food. But we learned to make it an outreach, and that's what we're trying to do. So I feel so blessed. So I just want to thank God. Father, I thank you for every bit of service that happened last week. I thank you for Jeremy's message that we had first service. But Lord, I thank you for every person that we encountered last week on this grass field. And I pray that what we've been praying from the beginning, that one soul will find Christ because of it. So, Lord, we use all the resources, all the money and the effort that we put into it. See our heart, Lord, and let that be a blessing to you. Use it as an offering, and we submit that to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going through a sermon series this summer called the Summer of Psalms. So every Sunday we'll use one psalm. Sometimes we've used two. But there's 150 psalms in the Bible, and they deal with emotions. We got any, any emotional people here? And I I don't know if you guys heard this first service. I might as well say it since my wife is here. In our family, I'm the emotional one. We call her the ice princess, and that's a very loving name in the way that we do it. And uh, she's actually growing into some emotion. But in our family, I'm the emo one. I have all the emotion, and she's steady as a rock, literally. And what, the reason why I say that is the book of Psalms, there's 150 Psalms, deal with our emotions. Do you know that 70 of them are dealing with sadness and anger? And it's an okay emotion to have. It's just what you do with that anger is really how, we, uh, how God wants to define it and what you do with that sadness. And so the book of Songs is in the Psalms is in what we call the poetry section. It's written and some of it's poetic. Today we're going to read and it's actually a song and so uh, with this we have a lot of stuff going on in the summer tara talked about beach baptisms and then incredible jonah class Jeremy's going to teach but there's something else that I want to talk about that's coming up it's our uh, leadership meeting we have been doing leadership meetings every quarter and this next one we're going to talk about our vision and values and we're going to tell you everything we're doing with outreach we're going to talk about our finances if you want to know anything and everything about our finances we are an extremely transparent church we're not afraid to tell you anything and that leadership meeting is going to be on August 20th. It'll be at our office. We have an office separate from the community center. It's over on the same road that Home Depot is. If you want to know more information about who we are as a church, we open up the, the, um, our heart and share with you. And we're really good with your time. The last time we were there, 44 minutes and we were out the door. We, we gave ourselves 45 minutes. So if you show up, it's five o'clock. We'll be done by 5:45. I promise you, and you'll be able to be back home. Uh, so August 20th, write it down, save the date. We'll talk more about that as we get closer to it. So I used to be a pastor at another church, and uh, my pastor, his name was Ed. He would say, um, "You talk about being blessed all the time, and you know why? It's because God has blessed me. I've had a crazy background. My testimony is." Completely different. There was a new couple in church last uh, last service, and I told them my thirty second testimony, and they're like, "Wow, that's crazy." And so I have a crazy story, and so I feel the blessing of God. And he said, "What does blessing mean?" And I, I think he was kind of being facetious, but really he wanted to know. You can't just say you're blessed all the time. I'm like, "Yeah, I can." And, and I'm not saying that to be negative, but here I want to give you a working definition. When you say you're blessed or when someone says they're blessed, what we need to do is we need to look at the Bible and go, where did Jesus communicate it? And what does the Bible talk about? So here's a definition. I'm blessed. I am blessed by what we did last week. Here's what it means. The, the, the Greek word is marikosos and its definition means this. I, I think this is really cool and I'm going to use it through the sermon. A believer being in a desirable position for receiving God's provision or favor. So put your hands out like you're receiving a gift. That's, when you're in this posture and God is giving, you're receiving and and you experience it and you're like, wow, thank you, God. That's a blessing. And the last part of it is, talks about it being an extension of our grace. None of you deserve a gift. What did you do today? (laughs) But God says, yes, they do, because they're my children, and I want to bless them. And so that's the posture when we talk about blessing. And so today, I feel like my arms are wide open, that I've received all kinds of blessings, so that I would wear a journey shirt and say, church, well done. You guys did an incredible job last week. Today... uh, today I want to talk about unity or uh, unification I think that's super important especially after a wonderful Sunday like we had last week and so before COVID do you, I, I'm kind of tired of that same, but it's not going to go away you remember life before COVID and before COVID we used to say do you remember life before uh, 9-11 do you guys remember before 9-11 you could show up I used to show up at the Burbank airport like 15 minutes before my flight And I'd be the last guy running to the airport. You can't do that anymore. So before COVID, our church used to stand up and read the Bible. So will you stand? And the reason why we do this, there's a book in the Bible called Ezra. And there was a moment when they found the old scrolls and everybody had wandered away and everybody was in division and fighting about who God was, similar to where we're at in our country. And they would hold up the Bible. And one day they found the scrolls and they read them all. And they stood, it says, for like six or seven hours reading You're not going to do that today. There's only three verses. (laughs) But we're here to honor God, and we're going to read Psalm 133. There's only three verses, and we're going to use this to talk about unity. How wonderful and pleasant it is when when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Father, may these words touch our heart and soul and fill us up as we live this week for your kingdom. May everything that you say be honored to you. And I ask that the Holy Spirit moves in a way that transforms us, that breaks down walls of disunity and unforgiveness and moves to a place of unity so that we can be vessels for your kingdom. We lift these words up to you and ask that you speak to us, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So... I love unity. I do. I'm an outgoing person. I've got this uh, personality trait, which is outgoing. I'm an E, if you know what that means in the Myers-Briggs. And I love it. And I love being unified. And here's what I found out as I've grown in my fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ that one of the best places I find unity is on missions trips. I used to be a mission pastor at another church and I have been able to go on 24, 25 mission trips, I was counting this morning, and I love it. And I still am planning on going this year uh, uh, as well. I love going, I try and go once or twice a year if I can. And the reason why, I found out the reason why recently I found out is because I love the unity. If you've ever been on a mission trip, we're gonna take a bunch of uh, uh, youth to Mexico at the end of the year, uh, junior high, high school, and young adults, and uh, some of you immature adults can go if you really fit into that. We uh, we're taking a group of, of students, and I've been down to Mexico for years. My sister used to be a missionary down there, and uh, what happens when we go to Mexico is we eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner together. And every morning by the end of the trip, everybody's trying to find a way to bless somebody else. How do we share the love of Jesus Christ? And that's what I love. We eat together. We share together. We cry together. We all see what we look like in the morning together, which isn't always pretty. And in that, there's unity. By the end of the trip, we're like, man, I don't care what you look like. I don't care that you stink right now. I just care that we get an opportunity to serve the Lord. And that's what I love about going on missions trips as well as I have been blessed I don't know why God would use a knucklehead like me but I've also been able to take people to Israel on pilgrimages to Israel and the same thing happens we eat breakfast lunch and dinner together and all we're doing is trying to find places where God and Jesus worked with his people and through his people and walk in areas where Jesus walked and that same thing has been incredible and I don't know why God uses a guy like me to do that but it's truly incredible and it really helps me because when we are in unity we commune together commune and it's with food and fellowship and one's one purpose and that's what God wants for us and so here's how unity works when we spend more time together we become more unified and the truth is today church we do not spend enough time together in church so today we're going to be here for about four hours and i promise you by the end you will all be unified wanting to get out of here we're not going to spend four hours i promise just kidding But I I don't know, I went to a Baptist seminary uh, a long time ago, and the Baptist seminary, and there's nothing wrong with Baptists, I love them. I'm an old school Baptist seminary guy. But do you guys remember what they used to do? You go to a Bible study before the sermon. So you gotta have a whole nother Bible study before the sermon you study, and you had kids and, and adults going to a Bible study. Then there's a celebration or a service where there's another message. Then you eat lunch, and you take a nap, and then you come back to church, have a little bit more food, and then do more message. I mean, you would spend all day there. And today, if we go over 70 minutes, people are like throwing daggers at you, usually with their eyes. Like, are you kidding? Wrap it up. But here's what I found out. Unity only happens when we spend more time together. Like, let me give you an example. I have a family with three girls and a girl dog, all girls in my house. And the only way that we ever get unified is when we spend time together. When they go off to college and schools, they think they know everything and then we're disunified and then when we spend time together they find out oh you're not as dumb as you look and that they're we unify so when we spend time together we become more unified the author of hebrews writes this hebrews was a book written to people who already believed and it's talking to people who knew yahweh and so they're trying to change them and the whole book talks about well jesus is better Jesus is better than the high priest. Jesus is better than this person and that person, all the prophets and all the angels. Jesus is better. And at one point, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, I don't have it on the screen, but many of you know this verse. It says this, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Since COVID, people have given up. Watch it online. If you're online, welcome. Come back every so often, I promise you. We don't bite. It's super fun. We love having you. But if you can't, we love having you online as well. But here's the thing. Do not neglect us meeting together as some people do. We've allowed ourselves to let something separate us, and really, church is better together. We did it online. It was great for about three weeks, and then, yeah, it really flat. And so the idea here is the Hebrew writer says, not let us do not let us neglect our meeting together as some do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near we are here practicing and getting ready one day jesus is going to come back and if you're somewhere else practicing something else and not being together you're neglecting what god wants to do give him some time in your life and i promise you he will respond back to you in a way that is honorable and pleasing to him and will change your life other religions uh, I would say uh, let me just say stick to the monotheistic religion that mono means one so other monotheistic religions are Muslim and Judaism they force community and and what I mean by that is the Muslims find East every, you know, three hours, and they have it on their watch and their clock, and they've got to come together in a mosque, and they are forced to pray, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying they are forced to do it, and the whole job is to stop your life and go, and if you know anybody that's Muslim, I have a few friends that are Muslim. It's kind of an annoying thing. It's like, oh my gosh, I got to get my thing. I got five minutes to point to East and pray, and it's not a happy-go-lucky thing. It's kind of a forced thing. The same with the other monolithic religion Judaism they are forced on Saturday to take a Sabbath Christianity you know why we don't take a Sabbath because Christ is our Sabbath he is our rest so Saturday is not our Sabbath Saturday the day that Jesus resurrected and that's why we meet not that this is our Sabbath we have Jesus as our Sabbath that's a whole other sermon the idea here is the Jewish people are forced into this Sabbath if you have ever know anybody in judaism or if you've ever been to israel like uh, a couple of us have they are forced into it and they're waiting until sundown they're waiting impatiently going i can't wait to push buttons and drive again and it's not always happening the reason why i bring this up our god is a god of love and kindness and he doesn't want to force anything on you all he wants is your heart so that his heart can talk to your heart and your life can be changed. That's all he wants. And in that, that relationship, you have an opportunity to become passionate for the kingdom of God and you come because you're willing. Nobody was forced here, not by us, maybe by your spouse or your family member, but nobody else was really forced here. If they are, go ahead and leave our relationship with God should create a willingness to want to gather and that's what Christianity is really about little images of Christ wanting to come together and worship Jesus and so that's where we begin today Psalm 133 we're going to look through the three verses see what it says what is David trying to communicate what's happening in the text in that context and why is it being said and so I've learned to just read everything in the Bible, even the little italics part. So here's what the italics part says. It says, a song for pilgrims ascending into Jerusalem, a psalm of David. There's so much to study there. First of all, it's a song. How do we know that? Because it says it right there. Pretty good theology. Uh, so it's a song and it's for pilgrims. So well, I thought the only pilgrims came on the Mayflower, no they didn't they actually were pilgrims when we go to israel we call it a pilgrimage because we're like the jewish pilgrims going back to jerusalem every year a group of pilgrims would head into the mountains of jerusalem and experience god and then it's from david who's writing this and so during the old testament days the pilgrims would walk to jerusalem every year during the passover and as they were walking they would ascend into jerusalem i don't know if you've ever been there, but here, Jerusalem is a mountainous region, Jericho down there, and you're going up in elevation, and so there's 15 psalms in 150 the psalms in the Bible, 15 of them are called the Psalms of Ascent and if you go to Israel they play a couple of them and at the very end you go oh you don't want me to sing because I'm a terrible singer but they sing oh Israel and then we show up and the the temple mount is there the, the golden dome and it's this really special moment as you travel into Israel and What's happening is these songs of ascent were sung as family members and friends were heading to Passover together in unity to come before God and bring offerings. That's the idea of the songs of ascent. Now, they would be sung every year, probably at the same time. Now, it reminds me of my mom. My mom, back in the day, when we were traveling as kids, we used to have this Honda, and it, I don't even know what year it was. It must have been 76, 77. No AC. I don't even know how we did it. No iPad, no cell phone, no Wi-Fi. I know, kids, unbelievable. No Wi-Fi, no AC, heading to India. Can you imagine? It was brutal. And so here's what we would do to kill time and quit thinking about that we're about near death We would sing this song maybe you guys are familiar with it it's called 99 bottles of beer on the wall now i looked up that song for the first time ever on youtube please don't look it up it is so inappropriate it is so inappropriate so now everybody's gonna go look but i'm telling you it has got bad language and i don't know why but it seemed appropriate to sing 99 bottles of beer on the wall and i loved it uh i think occasionally my mom was like well you should probably sing about coca-cola or pepsi or something but the, the purpose of 99 bottles of beer on the wall is to get us focused and get us there before we kind of Mutiny the captain and tell her to turn around and so that's what's happening to the songs of sin He's trying to unify and get everybody ready for Passover Verse 1 says this how wonderful and pleasant it is when the brothers live together in perfect harmony now I, uh, I love the NLT. I, I study and read out of the NLT. I think it's a great translation, especially for a church. Uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you probably don't care about this, but I'm dyslexic. You can check that off on the box. I'm dyslexic. And so, uh, and, and my dyslexia, I struggle with a lot of translations, especially King James, super hard. I can't even read it. But the second thing is, it spells out a lot of the Greek in here, so you don't need to look it up. It actually explains a lot of the Greek. But, and there's always a but, sometimes it makes mistakes. And I believe today in this verse, it makes a mistake because In all of the other translations David writes behold and behold is a key word that it's lacking in this particular translation really it should say behold how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together and David is like hey stop wait Step back for a moment. Let me tell you something that I'm going to say is so spectacular and so wonderful that you need to pay attention. And so when it misses, behold, I feel it misses the context of what's being said. It deserves attention, and it should be looked at differently, so I'm going to add it to it. Look and see how wonderful it is when everyone is in unity. David is drawing attention to something that is wonderful, that is good, and is pleasant. And that that he's drawing attention to is unity unity and for me last Sunday I saw the church unify working together as a unit as a as a team to try and bring one person in from the park and I loved every minute of it and so David is trying to get us to focus on that so when is this written So if you're a Bible theologian and you're studying, let's put this into context. David is probably being crowned as king, 2 Samuel chapter 5, if you want to be exact. The first five verses talk about David being unified as king, bringing uh, the 12 tribes together. For three years they were apart. Now he's bringing them together. After he is crowned and there's a coronation ceremony, he then rules all of Jerusalem and Israel for 33 years combined it's an incredible moment in Jewish history and as biblical history and so that's probably what's happening the thing that you need to understand is that for the last three years before this coronation listen to what it says and this is just commentary Uh, this uh, when all the tribes of Israel were united it was ending a terrible season of national division and discord sound familiar We are in that same crisis. And so what happens is when there's division and discord, there's usually unity that comes through something that happens. Do you remember when we were unified? It was September 9-12 and beyond for about six months. That's when our country was last unified. We used to unify around the Olympics we don't do that anymore. There's too much politics in it. But 9-12, 9 9-14, and for six weeks, eight weeks, every church was packed. You couldn't find a seat. And you know what's going to happen? Until we come back, there's going to be something bad that happens, and then we'll be unified again. That's just how it works. Last uh, so a couple of points unity comes through community That's the first thing you need to know unity comes through community It's super important that you understand that that we are a community and the more that we spend time together The more that we will be unified the second thing that you need to understand and unity usually comes out of times of tragedy trials and Division it's just how it is I know many of you during COVID had separation with family. There was a little bit of a rift with our family, and the only thing that can fix it is us spending time and praying and unifying. And you know, four weeks ago we were all together in an Airbnb as a family for the first time in years, and you can tell that God had brought uh, unity and within our family. You know, and it was it was wonderful and it was beautiful. and, And David would say how good and pleasant it is when a family can be unified, and it usually comes. Comes through trials and division. Last year was a tough year for us, and now this year we see God bringing unity, just like David being crowned. So, isn't the purpose of Sunday services to be unified? Isn't that the purpose of this? It's to come together and be unified. All of us live a different life. Some of us, uh, some of us like a clean house. Some of us tend to mess up the house, and then other people have to clean the house. some people live in a big house some people live in a small house some people have lots of money in the bank account some people have no money in the bank account some people even have negative money in the bank account that's fun that's really trusting in God we all come from different ways and walks of life and we come together in church and we come as a community and try and unify and watch God work and that's what David is trying to communicate how good and pleasant when we come together and we rally around Jesus Christ and we don't neglect meeting together do you know what the number one reason why people come to church is? Shout it out if you have an answer. Number one reason. To worship. It's good, but not true. Unity. Unity's close. What else? Anybody? Is there anybody out there? Hello? Community. <laughs> community. 88, 88, 86% of people say when they go to church for the first time ever, I'm talking about not just going to leave their church because they don't like that church. They come to church for community. Community. They come to church for community, by far the largest one. The next one, 12%, so it's 88% community. The next one is 12% of the people said, I'm coming to church to live, to learn how to live a better life. I want principles and morals that are going to help me live. There's a huge issue my mom came to church many years ago moved into SOMAS and looked for a community and you can't go to a bar you can't go to a coffee shop to find community the only way you could do it is find it in church and so people come and go hey I need some new friends my old ones suck and I need help and I-, I want a life better than what I have and so you rally around other people and hopefully you find a church that's full of unity and that's what David is trying to get to where is there unity and harmony and where can we all rally around it Strong communities are critical, so critical that our church has gotten rid of our Wednesday night service several years ago and have started community groups during the week. They're off in the summer, but we do community groups so people can get to know people and have friends at church. People want to come to church, connect to a community, and have friendships so that they can can have people walk in times of trial. Those signups will be coming up in community groups in a couple weeks. But it's important that we understand people need social connection even introverts any introverts in the room well first service everybody's too introvert they were too embarrassed to raise their hand but usually introverts don't raise their hand good job uh <laughs> But even introverts need community. We're not to be in a cave by ourselves with our Bible. We are to live in the gospel message in community. That's what God wants. And community shows us a social connection, creates a belonging, and we participate in community. And when we do that, God unifies us. But listen, even, and this is to the introvert, it takes a little bit of work. At our church, we don't try and serve you. This isn't a restaurant where we're a bunch of servants. We are serving you in different ways, but we're asking people that believe to take a step or two forward, and I promise you'll be met with more than you can ever imagine at this church. Try a community group, go to the Jonah class, try some different things, and I promise you, you will get more than you ever wanted from this church, but we're not really here to necessarily serve you like a waiter and waiter, waitress. We're here to serve you with the gospel and a bunch of love waiting for you to step forward. That's how we work as a church. Maybe that's different than other churches, but that's the choice that we've made here. Here's the second verse. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and into the border of his robe. Now, last week... I was so blessed. One of the things that really blessed me was how the high school students and how they were reacting. Uh, We have a youth group called Fireside. I'm blessed to be a part of this youth group. Our youth pastor left last year and I took over the role. I used to be a youth pastor and I love it. And so all the youth were taking water balloons and graciously anointed me with water last week after the uh after me eating in the watermelon contest and then a little bit later they decided let's go a little bit better than that and they took this bucket of water and as they took this bucket of water it crushed my ear and into my head I thought I lost my earlobe it hurt so bad but the idea was they took this bucket and they they spilt it all over my my body my shirt was wet and people are hugging me going are you sweaty and I'm like no it's wet but by the time I got home, which was at over at past three o'clock, my socks were all wet. And th- the point of it is that's what he's talking about with this anointing of Aaron. Aaron is Moses' brother. And Aaron is becoming the first high priest. Again, all of the community of Israel is there, unified around Aaron being the first high priest. And he's using this word picture to show us what good it is and how, how wonderful it is. And so this is that moment where Aaron is being anointed. And if you've ever had anybody anoint you with oil, it smells wonderful. It's got some beautiful smells and aroma to it, and, and that's what's happening. And they used to do this to the high priest, and it would get all over their garment. And I don't know if you guys have ever put oil on your clothes, but it stains. And you can't get it out. And if you use anointing oil, it usually smells good, so it covers up some of the stank that you might have and so it's a big part of it so before we get into the anointing let's talk a little bit about what is harmony we talked about blessed and what that means an extension of god's grace but what does harmony mean my sister i was talking to my sister kim she's our mission and pastor here um and we we're talking about harmony she goes every time i hear the word harmony it invokes this idea of music do you know why church does music it's to harmonize ourselves so that we're rallying around jesus christ by the end of the worship, we're like, oh yeah, I'm here to worship God, not myself. Oh yeah, Jesus is my Lord. Oh yeah, I'm never gonna forget. Oh yeah, there's a bunch of promises. And our church, we're super blessed. We have an incredible worship team, right? Yeah, it's so good. Yes. Uh- <laughs> We have been blessed that we have great musicians, great singers, and we're super excited about that. But harmony means this. To live in harmony with one another means to live in such a way that it enriches you and complements each other. We are better together than we are better by ourselves. We are not to be Christians by ourselves in a cave or in our home with a Bible. We are to live together. We are better together together we are stronger together as Christians and when we are divided the enemy is winning when we are united God is winning and God wins all the time and so we've got to let God take over that harmony and unity there's something beautiful when you have two different distinct individuals coming together and that's what marriage is the, the Bible says that a, a, a man and woman become one well how does that happen you know, I, I do a lot of premarital counseling. I've got two couples. I'm premarital counseling right now. And usually the younger ones will say, we're so alike. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're not even close. I live with the ice princess, and I have all the emotions. We're completely different. And, and But we come to this idea that we're so alike. Well, we're, my job is to say we're not alike, and that's okay. God has the power to bring that unity together. And to bring those sharp edges and smooth them so that we can find unity in it. And that's what we see here. David is asking us, do you have unity? Do you have harmony in your life? If not, why? And where do you need to bring some of those edges down? David was a man after God's own heart. He had a heart for unity. He was always focused on trying to bring unity to the church. So let's talk a little bit more about this anointing thing, because, you know, the evangelical church doesn't really like it. It gets a little bit weird. Some denominations say you can't lay hands on people. Uh, At this church, we've anointed kids. Every time we do a baby dedication up here, we put anointing oil on the child and ask us as a church to help raise that child. But the idea here is in the ancient middle east it was common to anoint somebody's head as they entered into your home when you would someone you'd have a guest come in oh welcome patty thanks for coming to our church and 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 what me and liz would do is we would anoint their head and the idea was that 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 uh, that oil would create a fragrance that would illuminate through the house now back then they didn't have carpet or hardwood or any of that so it wasn't gonna wreck your floors if you got a little bit of anointing oil if anything it was probably dirt and it probably made the house smell a lot better so they were excited about anointing them so they were excited and it would create this aroma and this fragrance that would permeate through the house and it was really this idea of a good smell a refreshing moment a guest welcome and it would permeate through the house God's people, he wants us to understand. And what David is communicating is that unity refreshes us and it permeates and changes the atmosphere. After we sing 30 minutes of worship or 25 minutes of worship, there's a spiritual change in this place that we're all unified, and there's an atmosphere and a movement of God, and now we're ready to receive and hear and heal and grow, and that's what we're talking about today, and that's where David wants us to understand. So harmony is the same as unity, and that's part of the theme in Psalm 133. David is trying to signal us something with this word picture. He's trying to tell us with this word picture of this anointing of of Aaron that unity is a rich and an abundant blessing. It's rich and abundant. It's it's a powerful thing. And unity takes work. Believing in God takes no work. But unity takes takes work and you've got to prepare your heart and say lord help me love and forgive and 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 grow in my walk with god so that i can be a loving offering to this world and i was talking to my friend danny before service the bible says it's kindness that leads people to repentance that brings us to a place of unity it's the kindness that loving kindness so here's another point. It shows us that the idea of this anointing, it shows us that unity is a rare and precious blessing. Do you know that most churches in America aren't unified? Do you know that most countries in the world aren't unified? And David is trying to tell us unity is rare and precious, and we should look at it as pure gold in our lives. And so, when you find a place that is unified, it's truly like pure gold. Verse three, and this is the last verse Harmony is as refreshing as the dew of Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing even life everlasting. Here we see a second word picture. He's given us two pictures, an anointing of Aaron, and now this picture of Mount Hermon. In Israel, if you've ever been to Israel, uh, the northern part of Israel, he looks towards this mountain, and this mountain is incredible. And near this mountain, if you guys were with me the last time, it's near Caesarea Philippi. And um, this is like israel's gem they look to it and it's lush and green and beautiful and uh it's 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 their mountain of, of of snow and the idea here is the rich dew covers the earth and it really refreshes uh uh Um, the country don't you guys like springtime when you wake up and there's you know the, the the God waters the earth naturally with that morning dew and that's what David is saying like the morning dew is a huge blessing it waters the earth it's lush and green and it's the opposite most of Israel is high desert I don't know if you guys know this it's desert and they got the lowest part in the world, but most of it also is high desert, and they got the lowest part in the Dead Sea, but it's also mostly desert. It's on the same latitude as San Diego, so if you look at San Diego, San Diego has lush parts near the ocean, and then it's got a bunch of desert beyond it in the back El Cajon and beyond. And so it's the same latitude if you look it on the map, and the idea here is the Israelites know water and water problems, just like Californians. Don't we know water and water problems? And they were saying it's good and wonderful, and it's amazing to have dew help water the ground. Um, Super important. Unity among God's people makes life harmonious. That's what David is trying to communicate. It's lush and green, full of life, versus the dry, barren land in the other parts of Israel. And so that's what he's trying to contrast here. The dew of Mount Hermon is not literal. It's allegorical. It just means it's a picture and an image. It's not really literal, meant to be literal. It's to show you a, a, a part of it. The dew in the Bible in the Old Testament always refers to a refreshing, cleansing moment. To humanity, to men and women, and to um, to Israel. So, any time they talk about it in the Bible, water and stuff, especially the dew, is is cleansing and refreshing. Here's the last part of the verse, and I'm going to give you some takeaways. Uh, It's the last part is a blessing of unity, is something of a command. In the kingdom of God, you are not commanded to be in unity you don't have to do anything except give your heart to God that's all that's required your heart given to God so God and and your heart can speak his heart speak to your heart after you believe there are some commands and the purpose of a command is to say you must do this to have a rich relationship with god and in that there's a command to unify the new testament has seven to twelve verses that say one accord uh, one mind come together as one, harmony and peace, it says like 12 times. And so in the New Testament, if it says 12 times to be unified, what does that mean? It's important. Uh, that means you guys know your Bible because if it repeats it multiple times it means it's important and so it's a command for us to work on unity and uh, a lot of verses Ephesians 1 Romans 12 John 17 we're going to read at the end but here's one that says it's the end of Paul's letter the second cor- letter to Corinthians 2 Corinthians thirteen eleven. dear brothers and sisters that's all of us I close my letter with these last words be joyful Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Some of yours says of one mind. One heart, one mind, the translation says. And then the God of love and peace will be with you. God is not with you if you aren't in unity, but God will be closer to you if you work in unity. He'll be, uh, you will grow more, you will have more because you're working in unity and in unison together. When you do things separately, you're missing out on the kingdom of God principle, which is working together. And since we have an eternal life with all of God's people, so all the believers that have gone past, present, and future, since we have eternal life with them, we should start working to unify on earth as it is in heaven. That's the idea, working on earth as it is in heaven. So how do we celebrate? I mean, how do we unify? Here's three words that I wrote down to help you unify, and we have them up on the screen. Three ways. Number one, celebration. We love to celebrate. You know, a lot of times today we celebrate with life celebrations as someone has left and gone to heaven, but there's other ways. Birthday parties, uh, church events like the park last week, we need to find areas to celebrate. And when we can celebrate as a church family together, we will be more unified. That's what David is pointing. He goes, there's a celebration about his coronation, and in that there's an opportunity to unify. Every Sunday, this is our celebration service, and this is our opportunity to unify around Jesus Christ. This is one of the ways that we do it. The second word is to commemorate. Commemorate just means to honor. How do you honor God? God wants us to honor him through his son. In Judaism, if you look at some of the other writings Uh, the Midrash or something that teaches us about Judaism, they look at Psalm 133 as a future psalm of a blessing when uh, the the Messiah shows up and unifies Israel again. It's got a future blessing when the Messiah comes, unifies again, and all of Israel is, 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 is one. Well, we know that The Messiah has already come. His name is Jesus Christ. And what we are to do is commemorate and honor that Jesus came and died and resurrected. And so we need to honor and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every day. And the last one is the commune. Do we got any hippies here? All the Jesus Revolution people, they're they're, they're here. I could see a couple of you. Um... But the hippies used to live in commune, and the idea was to be in unity. That's what a commune would be. They're a bunch of stinky hippies living together. But the idea is that God wants us to be in commune together. Next week, we're going to do communion and celebrate God with the elements. But he wants us to live in uh, this commune, this idea of unity, because there's still a promise that God has to do, which is to come back. And we need to be together worshiping and waiting for God's return. And that's one of the reasons why we commune or have unity. So what can you take away with this? Here's something that you can walk away. We've done all these words. we walked through this psalm. Let me give you four quick things, and then we'll, we'll uh, pray a, a blessing of unity. Number one, unity comes usually after trials or uh, conflict It usually comes from division. So if you're in division right now with a family member, a friend, maybe at your church or here, trust me, God will bring unification if you're seeking God. That's the purpose of that. So usually it comes after tough times. Number two, unity comes through community. Journey's community is focused on loving the world one person at a time and finding that one person and helping them become passionate about Jesus Christ so that their world and the world around them will change. Number three, unity is rare and precious. It's hard to come to a place that is fully unified. And we try to constantly bring that. And the last one is God is blessed by unity. One of the ways that you want to bless God, one of the ways that you want to honor God is work in unity. In your family, in your church, in your work, at home, it says blessed are those that are peacemakers for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so we work to unify and celebrate and experience God so as we began today I'm super blessed to be a part of this church not just because I'm the pastor I could sit in the audience and be a part of this church this was the church I would go to but as we stood up and read the Bible I want to close with standing up as well so will you guys stand up and here's what I want you to do I know that we're still people are still getting COVID but I, I bought some hand sanitizer I got some of my private stuff in the back I'm a kind of a germaphobe as well but here's what I want you to do I want you guys to hold hands or put your hands on someone's shoulders and let's church, let's get unified, act like you love someone. You don't have to hold hands but put your hand on someone's shoulder, otherwise we're going to be disconnected. And I want to read to you, do you know that Jesus in John chapter 17 at the end of his prayer prayed for the church to be unified like today? And so I want to read this, and then I want to pray us out. Here's what it says. It'll be on the screen. Look at Jesus as he's heading to the cross and what he prays for you thousands of years ago. Here's what it says. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Listen to this. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Let's pray. Father, I pray as we are together as a church, unified and ready for the next place and phase that you have for us. I pray that your church, the big C church, will grow because of who you are. And I pray, Lord, that you use this little C church to help love your world and love its people. Let us be unified in all that we are, online, inside, and within this place. And if someone's disconnected and doesn't know God, they can say these words and be connected to the King. Of all kings, his name's Jesus Christ. If that's you, repeat after me. Father, forgive me and all that I've done. Come into my life, come into my soul and be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And thank you, Lord, for resurrecting three days later so that I can be with you in eternity. I offer myself to you and I ask that the Holy Spirit help me Grow as a disciple and be unified with you from now until I see you in heaven. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, let's worship and be even more unified as we close out.